Welcome, welcome, welcome in to Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Wednesday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Thanks for being with us. Hopefully uh, the rain not causing too many issues. So I was looking ahead to next week. We're going to go from like how cold it was started this week and of course last week. Uh-huh. And now we have like rain, upper 30s, mid 40s. It's supposed to be in the 50s next week. Let's go. Winter's over. <laughs> We're through it. This We're on the other like, side. Th- this is like the first f- false spring. We'll have like several. Yes, we You know will. how this works. For sure. <laughs> uh, enjoy it while it lasts, though. Yeah. I mean, I didn't wear a coat this morning because, like, it's still chilly, but comparatively to what it has been, it's, like, downright pleasant. That is true. Uh, more than downright pleasant. Purdue's effort last night against Michigan Boilers get a huge win. We'll get to that after headlines. Also on the show, so we'll talk about this firing on headlines, but then there's a Pacers tie-in I want to get to later. Do the Pacers play a role? And the Bucks coach getting fired. We'll get to that also this hour. And you talked about this, I think, to me off the air. And I think it's it's fair. And I think maybe we should talk about it. Why is Josh Allen getting a pass? Um, we'll, we'll get to that later this hour. Also, in hour number two, Purdue has been dominant. The Big Ten, not so much. What does that mean for the Boilers? I'm already preparing the, the narrative that you're going to see out there pretty soon. Because I think that's where this is headed. We'll, we'll talk about where what that means. And also in hour number two, Tyrese Halliburton's injury could cost him a ton. And I mean a ton of money. Talking about that hamstring injury. We'll give you the details there. And Jim Harbaugh's immunity play is genius. He's still negotiating with Michigan. Obviously has that second interview coming up with the Chargers this week as well. But why what Harbaugh's doing is going to soon become an industry norm among college coaches' contracts. And before we leave you, uh, could you do a one-month digital detox, a.k.a. no smartphone? Well, a yogurt company is offering a lot of cash for you to do that. Mm. Get to that after 8.50. We'll have to see just how much that is. It, it's a lot of money. I'm very much attached to my phone. I Aren't we all? Admit. Well, well, we'll break that down a little bit. Yeah. yeah, so that's all to come. Uh, in hour number two, but first we start with headlines and want to remind you before that, you can always reach us on the text line at 46862. Again, 46862, the text line number. Just put in CK before your message. You have a question, a comment, a rant. We welcome all on the text line. And if you're not listening on the radio, either on 1380 AM or 100.9 FM, you can always listen on the go. Uh, the 1380 The Fan mobile app, it is free to download. You can also listen on your smart speaker or just at 1380thefan.com. Listen live. If you're listening on a, a laptop or computer at work, at home. Plenty of ways to reach us on the show. All right, let's get to headlines. And we start off in the NBA because, well, there was just a, several big items last night. And it starts with the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin which I think caught everyone off guard with this head coaching change because the Bucks have been, well, successful. 30-13 and 13 on the season. Now, the Bucks, in terms of their defensive play, has been bad all year. They were fourth last year. They're 22nd this year. Um, remember, they, they lost Drew Holiday. They added Damian Lillard, so you lose a lot defensively there. But uh, emerging as the candidate, in, in fact, CNN Sports, which apparently still exists, reported <laughs> that Doc Rivers will be the next oh, of course. Bucks head coach. 
They're the only place to report that. We've seen several places say the Bucks are in talks with Doc Rivers. So we shall see what comes of it. But again, this is a Bucks team that got rid of Mike Budenholzer, replaced him with Adrian Griffin in the offseason. And it has, I guess, not worked. Because defensively, they're not very good. Offensively, they're great. Defensively, they're not very good. <laughs> kind of like the Pacers. I yeah, This was surprising or shocking when you sent this to me yesterday. And when you look at it, I mean, Milwaukee right now is not playing good enough basketball to win a championship. How much on that can you put on the coach? I think people are saying, well, when you have Giannis, why are you losing your job? Well, does it have more about uh, to do with Damian Lillard than Giannis? I, I mean, clearly there was some sort of toxic issue within the locker For them to pull the trigger like this. Yeah, yeah. There was very much a something going on behind the scenes. You don't so, fire a dude that's what, 30 and 14? Is that what 30 and 13. 30 and 13? They're second in the East. Like, this is the, shocking. There was... There's more to the story for sure. They're tied with the Pacers in terms of points per game, which is of course tops in the NBA. Now, defensively, obviously they're they're not as good, not as bad as the Pacers, mind you. But no one I, is. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a team, and a lot of people say, well, you know, you can attribute it to their struggles against Pacers. Well, they might be right, and I'll tell you why coming up. Uh, a bit later on this hour. So just a bizarre situation going on in Milwaukee. We'll keep you updated if a, a new head coach is named sometime during the show. But all signs so far point to Doc Rivers, who joined the ESPN, uh, NBA and ESPN crew uh, in the offseason. So he would be out of that seat. But just weird all around. Not weird, though, is NFL TV ratings. <laughs> uh, anything but. Yeah. Uh, new numbers coming in, and this is for uh, what happened over Divisional Weekend, some of the other games that we didn't have numbers on just yet. And just astounding what they did numbers-wise for Bills and Chiefs. Um, this game got over 50 million viewers, <laughs> which it's is absurd. Absurd. I mean, we're talking a divisional round. 50.393 million viewers and the Chiefs win. Most watched divisional playoff game in NFL history. First to top 50 million. Um, it also topped the average viewership for every NFC championship game played over the past five years. <laughs> Just absurd. Absolutely absurd numbers. Every single game got north of 31 million viewers. Just crazy. Yeah. And, and the one that was the lowest was the record NFL game for uh, ESPN. Right. Which is Texas Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blowing. So massive ratings, no surprise. And, you know, just imagine if the CBS broadcast team had any ounce of chemistry, how much more entertaining it would be to watch games on there. You know, you're not a fan of Tony Romo. No, I I've become more of a fan of Tony Romo. I can, I can tolerate Tony Romo more than I can right now that Chris Collinsworth. Uh, See, I've I've always liked Chris Collins. I used to too. And then I've kind of, I'm not saying he's terrible. I mean, he's really good at his job. I just, um, I, I've, I, I don't know. I just kind of uh, found myself being turned off by Chris Collinsworth. I've gotten used to Tony Romo and um, I, I think he was really good at first. And then my opinion kind of waned and now I'm just like, ah, he is what he is and I'm fine with it. 
but um, nobody was turned off by either the broadcaster nor the game. No. 50.3 million people watching Chiefs Bills on Sunday night. Just absurd. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. Romo, to me, I like his enthusiasm. It was fun in the beginning because it was like new and exciting. You're just not a fan of his shtick. Yeah. It just, he doesn't really add a whole lot. The prediction thing, thankfully, went away where he's like predicting plays before that. Like, thankfully, that's gone away because that was getting old. It was fun to start, but it was getting old. Uh, moving on in the NFL, the Bears have a new defensive coordinator. Are you excited about this hire, Justin? Uh, I didn't see the the hire. Do we, is it official for the Bears? Oh, maybe it's an interview. I thought it was a hire. No, I don't um, think they've they've made a hire yet. They've okay. hired um, uh, Shane Waldron as their offensive offensive coordinator. coordinator. That's what I meant. Yes, um, but have not yet hired a defensive coordinator. But Shane Waldron. Coming from Seattle, multiple seasons out at Seattle. Uh, I think it's a good hire. But then again, uh, you never know with coordinators. I mean, uh, are they given good pieces to work with? Yes. Then they'll probably be good. I think the biggest thing is the Bears actually going with somebody with with play-calling experience in the NFL. Luke, Luke Getze did not have that. And the Bears, what a novel concept, actually hiring people that have done their job before <laughs> in the NFL and with reasonable success. Shane Walder has had uh, a decent amount of success in his NFL coaching career, most notably in turning Geno Smith back around in terms of, of being an effective quarterback in the NFL. So who will Shane Waldron have as QB one in Chicago? Ah, that's just the great question now, isn't it? And, and Waldron is a Kyle Shanahan disciple. So again, something to keep in mind. Do you ever just think about like how crazy it is that the the coach who was considered the best in the NFL, you know, prior to Bill Belichick, which was Mike Shanahan, and then now like his son is now considered one of the best in the NFL. Well, just, like he his coaching tree is already growing. He's on the younger side too. It it it's just impressive. Not only do we remember Mike Shanahan, now we we're at a point with his son where he actually has a sizable coaching tree. Yeah. Which is just pretty wild. But everybody wants to tie back to right now the Kyle Shanahan's and the Sean McVay's, you know, the new faces of NFL coaching ranks and guys that embrace the West Coast offense. And that's, you know, what obviously what was brought about with Shanahan back in the 80s. And uh, Shane Waldner has had a lot of success with that. And Bears fans hope he can bring it to Chicago. I would imagine a hiring for the defensive coordinator job uh, by the end of the week. Unless it's somebody that they've pinpointed that is uh, competing in the in the uh, conference championship games, but I think the Bears will have their coordinators both set here sometime this week. Meanwhile, in baseball, the 2024 Hall of Fame class has been announced: Joe Mauer, Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre, elected by the Baseball Writers Association of America yesterday. Uh, the results presented: so Beltre got over 95 percent, uh, Mauer 76 percent. Uh, on his first year of eligibility, and Helton uh, nearly 80% on his sixth attempt. Of note, Gary Sheffield uh, fell off on his final year on the ballot. Yeah, 10th and final year for Gary Sheffield. Billy Wagner was fourth. He's on his ninth year on the ballot. Hey, what do you think? I mean, Beltray, Helton, Maurer. All deserving. Yeah, Beltray, Maurer, their first year of eligibility. Todd Helton, his sixth. 
Um, I have no problem with with any of them being Hall of Famers. It, to me, they all seem like locks. So yeah, it's great. It, it's Sheffield felt like a guy who was always on the the fringe. I mean, it, it whenever a guy falls off the vote, I mean, you feel for him, but just kind of felt like the Hall of Very Good. Like yes. that line has to be somewhere. Yes, and apparently for Gary Sheffield, he's right close to that line on the wrong side of it. Yeah, yeah, and again, they're they're few other players uh on on the ballots but i mean nothing really surprising no here. nobody you know andrew jones on their carlos beltran in terms of guys that got north of 50 percent of the vote but nothing that kind of jumped out going wow either way guys getting in or out todd helton interestingly with his sixth year on the ballot is now the first hall of famer ever to only play for the Colorado Rockies. Wow. Yeah, he'll join Larry Walker as the two players wearing a Rockies cap on their bust in Cooperstown. And you mentioned Carlos Beltran. Now, never officially connected to PEDs, but that was always the narrative around. Do you think that's holding him back? Um, no, not necessarily because uh, it was never he was never guilty, guilty. He has significantly more uh percentage of vote than say A-Rod and Manny. Yeah. Um, so to me, I just, I, I think it's a body work. Maybe, maybe suspicion is holding him back somewhat, but wasn't even really close to that 75, 75% uh, uh, voting rate, which is what you need to get. Um, I just don't think he's a hall of famer right now, but only in his second year of eligibility. We'll see if he can get in in the next couple of years. Uh, back to the state of Indiana, the Pacers, in action last night, hosting the Denver Nuggets. They gave it a good run, ended up falling 114-109. to Rick Carlisle ejected, arguing a no-call against Pascal Siakam, who uh, played for Indiana at home. First game at home? Yeah. For Siakam? 16 points, 10 rebounds. Turner had 22. Ben Shepard had a couple of key plays off the bench to keep him in this. Pacers built a big lead, then they lost a lead going into the fourth, rallied back in the fourth, but came up short. Uh, so the Pacers need to get things rolling again, right? We've, we've seen big swings. This is their third straight loss, obviously, without Halliburton at the moment. So hopefully he comes back yeah, soon. Lo- losers of five of their last six. I mean, this team, we knew the considerable step back it was going to take when Tyrese Halliburton went out. I think in the short term, you saw other guys step up, but the longer you have to go, Without clearly your best player, the more exposed you're going to be. And that's where the Pacers are right now. They desperately need Tyrese Halliburton back. They won 9 out of 10 before losing 5 out of 6. And this is this is kind of where they're at. Now, if Halliburton and Siakam are both healthy and they can play at a high level, then I think the expectations will rise. But we just haven't seen that yet as Halliburton sitting out a bit longer to try to nurse that hamstring just a bit more. Uh, and then he'll be ready to go. Couple other uh, basketball related announcements. Uh, this, the McDonald's All America game roster is announced, and IU recruit Liam McNeely on the roster. So he will uh, have that honor. So congrats to him. IU with a McDonald's All American for a second straight year. Flory Badunga from Kokomo. Yeah, also, also named. Be on that team. He'll be a, a candidate for Mr. Basketball as well. And continuing on, Joe Tipman. Congrats to him as he gets an honor after his rookie year as Tipman was named to the all-rookie team by the Pro Football Writers Association. 
Um, Tipman has just been phenomenal. And I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves locally because of the position he plays at center. But he has been as, at least through his rookie season, as effective of a rookie from the area in the NFL in a long, long time. I mean, even more so than Jalen Smith. I know Jalen was coming off that injury, of course, against Ohio State, the Fiesta Bowl. But what Tippmann has been able to do as a rookie in the trenches in the NFL with the Jets is nothing short of very impressive. He is he has been as advertised, and so congrats to him on a, a big rookie season. And then elsewhere, uh, former Huntington uh, runner Addie Wiley turning pro. So you see, she's going to try to make a run for the Paris Olympics coming up this summer. Really, not a big surprise there. Signed a deal with Adidas, I think I saw, in terms of uh, pursuing the Olympics, which are 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 this they summer? Pa- are they in Paris? Paris? Okay, I was going to say this summer in Paris. All right, that's something to look forward to. I guess if you're into the Summer Olympics, so we'll see. Are, are you a summer or winter? Olympics? Oh, I'm a winter Same. all the way. Uh, there are no slouches in the Winter Olympics sport lineup. I mean, I don't care if it's speed skating to skiing to biathlon to luge. I mean, it's a bunch of bangers in the Winter Olympics. The Summer Olympics, you have swimming, you have track and field. But I just, I, I can't get locked into the summer like I can the winter. Like, I'll be up at 2 a.m. watching some 30K cross-country skiing event during the Winter Olympics. I'm all in. It's a problem. I think there are just too many events in the Summer Olympics. That's yeah, there's one so of too the many, problems. There's too many events. There's too many sports. Now, there's a, a more inclusive group of countries competing yes. in the Summer Olympics for good reason. But uh, I, I just can't get into the summer. I know people say, well, there's, you know, basketball and stuff. He's like, yeah, whatever. Um, I just, I don't buy in. I, I'm a, I'll am watch, but I am not like locked in like I am with the winner. 46862, your text line number 46862. Meanwhile, Purdue in action last night at Mackey Arena. They had no problem. I mean, no problem taking care of Michigan. The Boilers got up big, end up rolling over the Wolverines in this one at home. So Purdue gets another massive win. And for Purdue, you, you look at this team and what they're doing. Look, they're staying the course 14 to 21 from three last night. <laughs> it's just stupid. unbelievable. And that was the Achilles heel for the team last year. Uh, I met messaged you at, at halftime. And, and basically this is why we don't talk about Purdue or this is why we don't pay attention to Purdue. They're up 24 points at half. Without a single turnover. It was 49-25 at the break and zero turnovers from for Purdue. Yeah, Fletcher Lawyer hit that three right before halftime. That, you knew that game was over That's, right there. I mean, the ex- that was it. Exclamation point uh, to end uh, one of the best halves of basketball that I've seen Purdue play in a long, long time. Uh, was very impressive. Uh, Lance Jones goes off. Yesterday, five threes, finishes with 24 points. Zach Eady, a double-double. Ho-hum, same old, same old. Um, it was just a, a dominating performance in every facet of the game. And it was just exhibit A when you go along and talk about Purdue or don't talk about Purdue is it's just who they are. They go out. They dominate inferior opponents. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. They didn't at all last, last night in the first 20 minutes. It's just ho-hum. 
Purdue doing Purdue things, and that was on display last night. And Zach Eady had a a quiet, quiet game for his standards. Quiet first half, just six points, seven rebounds in the first half. Finished with sixteen and ten. Uh, but Lance Jones again continues to be that addition that the Boilers have needed, and and they stuff the stat sheet across the board. I mean, pretty much everyone got to play, and outside of a, a couple of bench guys, Chase Martin and Sam King, who didn't score, everyone else scored. So. There's a lot of depth on this team. And again, that 99-67 win, Purdue taking care of business now, just a half game back of Wisconsin in first place in the Big Ten, and they'll get their shot against Wisconsin first shot coming up on February 4th. And, you know, something that's maybe more of a storyline coming out of this, how much longer is Jawan Howard, the head coach at Michigan? <laughs> it has been a weird season where he's been the head coach, he hasn't been the head coach, um, he, he let... Bill Martelli coach a game uh, earlier when Howard had already come back. Like this seems like the the writing is on the wall for Jawan Howard. There seems like he's very much uh, overstayed his welcome already. But the fact that he's a legacy, I'm sure, has bought him a little bit more time. But seven different players hitting threes for Purdue, and I believe I don't know if it was reported late last night. Mike Woodson calling up Matt Painter and be like, "Can can we just have one of those guys?" <laughs> You have seven. We we don't have anything. Can can you can you lend us one? But uh, pretty wild. Uh, pretty now eighteen and two. It's just it's just at some point. Like what do you say? Like what do you say right now? Worst loss of the Jawan Howard era for Michigan. Saying something that is saying a lot because they've had a lot of talented players. Now they've not necessarily lived up to that talent. They've had a lot of talented players, and for them to get trounced on the road by 32, I think says a lot about where Purdue is at this season. 46862, again, your text line number 46862. Uh, CK, Purdue doing Purdue things, uh, just like in the big dance that's coming up in March. That'll be, and we talked about it off air yesterday, is, um, you know, things will start heating up and Purdue will be at the forefront of everybody's discussion nationally, not just locally or regionally. Coming about a month to six weeks' time is there. The crosshairs are going to be on Purdue in terms of attention. And don't worry, we'll give their uh, give that due diligence when it comes. But a, a key stretch coming up for Purdue when you look at the next oh, four or so games, because you have Rutgers and Wisconsin on the road, including a nationally televised game against Wisconsin coming up a week from Sunday uh, on CBS. Um, and then you have Northwestern at home sandwiched in between those two road games and then IU at home on the 10th. So when you look at Purdue really trying to put itself in, 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 in prime position to win another Big Ten regular season championship, obviously that Wisconsin game on the road is paramount, but take care of business on the road against Rutgers. And then you have you know a sneaky team in Northwestern that you lost to um, on the road. And of course you have Indiana coming in. So a, a, a crucial couple weeks that will really probably uh, set the tone for the remainder of the big 10 season for, for Purdue. Do you think people will view it a failure? If Purdue does not win the big 10 regular season title? No, because I, I just don't know if, I know that's the expectation, but is that really the goal? No. 
if if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten and not Purdue, I don't think there are too many Boilermaker fans out there losing sleep over it. They're going to lose a hell of a lot of sleep if they, you know, losing the fade, first round fade in the NCAA tournament again. But I don't think when you look at this team and the goals that it has, yes, of course, internally they want a big win, they want a big Big Ten championship. But for fans or 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 this team is it a disappointment? No. March would be a disappointment if they don't achieve their goals, but regular season Big Ten championship, I mean, it doesn't it it it, it doesn't do much for me. We shall see. I know Robbie Hummel disagrees with you. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, he's a player. He's working for. He's doing games on the Big Ten Network. Of course, he's going to hype up the Big Ten regular season <laughs> championship. Okay, or you know, he's working for the 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 network that has Big Ten games. I get it, but at the same time, if you're picking what do you want to win, the Big Ten regular season championship, or I don't know, an actual game in the NCAA tournament, let alone multiple, you're picking the latter every single time. 46862, again, the text line number 46862. Coming up on the other side, so did the Pacers actually get Adrian Griffin fired? Well, if you connect some dots and a report that came out last night, potentially... Details on that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. So the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin yesterday in what was a very surprising move. Milwaukee 30-13 and 13 under Griffin in his first year as the Bucks head coach. Second place in the East. They have struggled against the Pacers. In fact, lost to him in the in-season tournament, end up going 1-4 against Indiana on the season. And I jokingly sent a text to a friend. I was like, oh, Tyrese Halliburton got him fired. Well, <laughs> there is perhaps more truth to that than you think. Ah. There was a report that Griffin said sacrifice is required after losing to the Pacers in the in-season tournament. Uh, Griffin then apparently lost the locker room over time after that. So you have Tyrese Halliburton who had his success in the in-season tournament. Uh, because of that success, the Pacers able to make a trade and, and get Pascal Siakam. And now Halliburton's getting coaches fired. <laughs> I mean, this is just absolutely wild uh, that the Bucks made that move. And the fact that the Pacers probably legitimately played a role in some of the issues because the Pacers were able to get one of the, the talented, most talented players that was on the trading block in the league. They had a 4-1 record against the Bucks, and there are no regular season games you know, between the two remaining. So they took care of business against one of the perceived top teams in the league, and now the Bucks are panicking. Who would have guessed that going into the season? Well, the Pacers definitely have had a piece of it, but... This is a Milwaukee defense, and I know we joke, oh, there's no defense, haha, in the NBA, but there literally is no defense, has been no defense in Milwaukee. I mean, you mentioned about the Pacers. Uh, Utah put on 132 on them recently. Uh, Cleveland, 135. Uh, Detroit almost ran them off the court last week. Detroit. Yeah. And... It hasn't gotten much better. I mean, that may have been the 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 vinyl straw with the, with the Detroit game. I don't know. Transition defense is terrible. So when you look at 
Giannis, seven Giannis and Dame, you feel they're going to win a lot of games, and they have been able to with those two guys. But when the expectation is championships, and you're not playing, at least on the defensive end of the floor, like a team that's uh, capable of winning a championship, uh, a move looked like it needed to be made. But based on what it sounds like when you read between the lines and you, you hear insiders is there was a lot going on behind the scenes too in terms of drama and, and as you mentioned in terms of things being said by Adrian Griffin publicly and then rubbing people the wrong way privately. And it's all about maintaining those egos. And it sounds like Adrian Griffin was incapable of doing that in Milwaukee. Now, the Bucks won seven straight after that loss to the Pacers in the in-season tournament. So whatever he said after that loss, at least in the win column, it worked. But clearly, he had lost the locker room by that point. Yeah, it's been a... Um it's been for for everything that it sounds like a half se- a a season's worth of drama and a half a season for Milwaukee, and you look at what they need to do to put it together, and it is is it that calming veteran influ- influence of Doc Rivers apparently maybe potentially. I mean, here's the thing with Doc, and the jokes write themselves, right? Doc not able to get out of the second round. The NBA playoffs. Well, and blowing leads in. Yes. Blowing, you know, 3-2 leads, 3-1 leads. I think, I thought I saw something yesterday. He has blown, his teams have blown three different 3-1 leads in the playoffs. I know he won a title, but my gosh, we're like 15, 16 years removed from that title, right? With Boston? Yeah, that was in 2008. I mean, what, what what is Doc Rivers bringing you now other than blowing 3-1 playoff leads. But at this point, when you look at trying to not completely derail a season that has a championship in mind for for Milwaukee, Doc Rivers seems like the sensible choice in terms of guys that are available. I mean, Doc Rivers, an accomplished coach in the NBA, but this is a guy who hasn't made it past the second round of the NBA playoffs you got to go all the way back to 2012 when he was still with Boston and they lost in the conference finals that season. So it's not like he he hasn't had his chances. And look, is he a more experienced coach? Yes, but he seemingly has his ceiling. I mean, it's been a trend for over a decade and it's not like he's coaching bad teams. He had great teams with the Clippers uh, in that era and then had some good teams with Philadelphia and was unable to get over that hump. Yeah, it's um we'll see if he's able to do that with with Minnesota or with Milwaukee, but I guess credit the Bucks in terms of this is they made a hire that they recognized as even through half a season that wasn't the right hire. And so many times in sport we see front offices stick to their hire, stick to their guns because they want to look like the smartest people in the room. Yes. And basically you are all wrong. We got it right. Just wait and see. And Milwaukee didn't do that is they hired Adrian Griffin and they identified with an half a season that he wasn't the guy for whatever reasons. And in the NBA, the players dictate a lot of things 
especially when you have superstars on your team, like a Giannis and a Dame for that matter. And Milwaukee knows its window with Giannis is wide open to win multiple championships. It has won one. And it felt like it had to make a move to ensure it had the best coaching staff uh, in place to potentially lead to more championships. But I think it's a very rare thing we see for a front office to be like, you know what? We got it wrong. And they switch it up as soon as possible or in a smaller time frame than we're used to seeing. Yeah, we're just not used to a, a firing for a team having that level of success. Correct. In the middle of the season. You know, this is interesting is uh, before we go to break, we we're talking about the NFL and, and 50 million viewers mm-hmm. on Sunday. Night. This puts things in perspective a little bit. The, the NHL is thriving over the first three months of the season. League viewership um, is up close to 40% this season so far on ESPN as, million? Game, as games are averaging 584,000 viewers wow. this season. So nearly 10 times for the Com- NFL. Uh, no, I mean, that's almost, what is it? Five, 10 over 10 or, or not quite 584,000 versus 50 million is a lot is almost a hundred times. Isn't it? We're not good at math here. Oh yeah, you're right. Yes. Because, yeah, because fifty million, not five million. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost a hundred. Hundred. This times is why we more, don't do math. Hundred times more fans watching. Not wild. It is now. I think a more fair comparison would be like the second round of the NHL playoffs, and you know whatever the top series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's series. true. For but sure. Still. It just puts things in perspective on how many people are watching. I'm not saying anything bad about hockey it's just that they're over the moon that their ratings are at 40 percent and they're you know a pinprick compared to what the nfl is getting and speaking of the nfl and top rated playoff games the bills the chiefs which drew 50.4 million viewers a lot of criticism this week on tyler bass but why is josh allen seemingly getting a pass we'll talk about that next caleb and kenny in the morning 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Hope you're having a good Wednesday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you, and you can join us on the text line at 46862. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. And I think we talked about this off-air yesterday, and I'm noticing a, a trend. Now, I understand people blaming... Tyler Bass, the Bills kicker for the loss against the Chiefs. It's the easy way out. It is. I I don't blame him. Have you seen uh, the fundraising? Yes. Which is pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah, for Tyler Bass. So um, it was uh, the 10 Lives Club for Tyler Bass, which is, I think, a cat Mm -hmm. adoption group that he supports has gotten... Uh, over $50,000 in donations, uh, last I saw, from Bill's fans. Bill's Mafia is, is Bill's will, Mafia, will yeah. go all out for this Which kind of Which is stuff. pretty cool, because, of course, missing a kick like that, he's going to hear about it uh, from the crazies on social media, but cool to see that aspect. Anyway, yeah. wanted to yeah, mention he, that. He had to, I think, deactivate some of his social media because he was getting death threats, which 
Sadly, this is expected. Goes with the territory, yeah. you know, unfortunately. Um, now, if you have any bit of nuance in your life, you realize it's not really Tyler Bass's fault for losing the game. One, that would have only tied the game. So Temporarily. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of a reach to say that that lost them the game when they had plenty of opportunities otherwise to take advantage. But... Um, the the real issue I'm seeing after this is that Josh Allen just is seemingly in the free pass category. Just like Steph Curry gets a free pass in the NBA for everything compared to LeBron, um, Josh Allen is seemingly getting a free pass in the NFL. Uh, in fact, you have idiots on TV saying that uh, they take Josh Allen every single time over Patrick Mahomes. I'm not making this up. This really? is Sean O'Hara saying this on NFL Network. So... People like that, and and I get it. That's the extreme example here. But at what point is Josh Allen going to get some blame uh, for this loss? Because they had opportunities, and they missed plays. I mean, he he missed the throw to Diggs over the middle. Obviously, Diggs dropped some passes too. Like we we can't place it all just directly on Josh Josh Allen. But the narrative is that oh, Tyler Bass missed a kick, and Stephon Diggs dropped some passes. What about Josh Allen? Where does he fall into this? Because I think if he is truly an elite player in the NFL, which people want to say that he is, and I tend to agree with that, but you also have to take the blame in these situations if you're an elite player. I think the the biggest comparison for me with Josh Allen in terms of how he's treated uh, is Dak Prescott. Because... Make no mistake, Dask, Dak Prescott is is uh, is looked upon, and by me, I don't think it, it's wrong, but a lot of others is saying guys can't win the big games, two and five in the playoffs. But he's thrown fourteen touchdowns and seven interceptions in those seven games. He's thrown for over two hundred and eighty yards average in those games. He's putting up good stats, but you know what? He can't get it done when it matters. And the Cowboys haven't been considered. Super Bowl contenders in the last several years. They've won 12 games three straight seasons, but I don't think anybody's looking at them entering the season as, oh, they're on the short list of Super Bowl contenders like the Buffalo Bills have been in recent memory. Josh Allen, 5-5 five and five in the playoffs, has thrown 21 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Very good. Okay? Stats. But cannot get it done when it counts. And I don't know why Josh Allen is immune from criticism on not being able to win the big games in the playoffs when guys like Dak Prescott Yeah, are. he gets the same criticism. Well, I'm just, but he gets the he gets the criticism when Josh Allen doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. Is what why is Josh Allen continuing looked upon as oh the Bills let him down again and it's coaching or it's kicking or it's this that and the other. When is it Josh Allen? Well, and Josh Allen is over against Mahomes in the postseason. Now I get it; it's more than just a quarterback, you know, duel. But he's had plenty of chances, and everything was set up for Buffalo to make a Super Bowl run this postseason. Um, they get Kansas City at home; they don't take advantage of it. They they had an easy wild card game against Pittsburgh. Like it, this was set up for them to go to the Super Bowl this year. You have a Ravens team that is very talented defensively. But I think when it comes down to it, we're still waiting to see, you know, can Lamar break through in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson. Um, this was set up for them, and the Bills didn't deliver. And, and, and I guess 
I think a lot of people want to compare Mahomes and Allen to Brady and Manning, but like Josh Allen actually had success against Brady in the regular season, or, or Josh Allen actually has had success against Mahomes in the regular season. Peyton Manning really did not for a long time, or in the playoffs for that matter. So that's the difference is that the Bills can beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They're 3-1 and one head-to-head. But for whatever reason, the postseason, they can't get it done. And I, I just think there's more to be said about Josh Allen. I agree with you on the Dak Prescott comparison. Now, I think Josh Allen is a way better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Yes. Dak is a, a guy, to me, who is outside the top 10. Now he just had his best season ever. But I think Josh Allen is solidly in the top five. I think people can maybe argue a spot or two. But... He doesn't seem to get the blame. I want to get to several texts. Um, someone saying, tell me two quarterbacks better than Josh Allen. Well, it's not very hard. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, number one. I think Lamar Jackson. I would throw in Lamar Jackson. Um, number two right after that. I think I Joe mean, Burrow is better. Joe Burrow, than Josh when healthy, is, is better than Josh Allen. So there's three. There you go. I, I just, and, and the, the, the texture kind of feeds the 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 discussion here is is why is Josh Allen so, held in so high regard when he can't get past uh, or can't get into the Super Bowl and since 2021 hasn't been able to get past the divisional round of the playoffs 0 and three against Kansas City in the playoffs couldn't beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals a couple years ago in the playoffs like when do the excuses stop and Josh Allen is a really good quarterback but just not good enough to get it done in the playoffs. It's Dak Prescott-esque. I mean, I'm not saying that Josh Allen is as... Josh Allen is a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Yes. But they're in the same category as they cannot win the big games when it counts in the postseason. And I think that's fair to say for Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, we we have enough of a sample size, right? It's not like Lamar, we're going into this playoffs. I, I didn't feel like it was really fair to say... Oh, he can't get it done in the playoffs. Like he hadn't played enough playoff games. Um, but with Josh Allen, we have several years of this. Where is that marquee game, that marquee victory for Josh Allen in the playoffs that firmly puts him uh, at the pantheon of quarterbacks in the NFL? He doesn't have one. Doesn't have one, and he continues to get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And it's everyone else's fault except Josh Allen. Imagine, I, I would hope that if the if the game was decided last Sunday by that fumble that Josh Allen had that was luckily recovered by one of his linemen, that we would at least somehow have a conversation with the greater um, media entities in the country about Josh Allen's inability to get things done and make too many mistakes. We've talked about that in the regular season about turning the ball over way too much in the red zone and the end zone. But once again, Josh Allen can't get it done. Collectively, the the Buffalo Bills, but if we're, if we're placing blame on other quarterbacks for quote-unquote not getting it done when it counts, why is Josh Allen get a pass? And I think another part of the conversation, if you're the Bills, why are you keep running it back with Sean McDermott because there seems to be a ceiling there. And I get that that's a right. risk changing, but look, they took the risk mid season fired Ken Dorsey and their offense came alive, saved their season. 
Someone else saying the Bills were ravaged with injuries. Hello. Yeah, everyone is. It's the playoffs. Every, every team is ravaged. Uh, go, who, go, 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 okay, Debo Samuel was out for San Francisco. They still won. Right? Yeah, and that's going to be a huge injury, too, by the way, going into this weekend. If Debo Samuel cannot play, I mean, um, I mean, you talk about the, 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 the weapons. Um, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is obviously the, the, the biggest weapon out of the backfield in the entire NFL. But if you take Debo Samuel out of that offense for any length of time against a really good team long term, um, it could be trouble for, for San Francisco. But again, it's excuses. There's everybody seems to have an excuse for Josh Allen. Oh, the injuries. Oh, the kicking. Oh, the defense. Oh, this, that, and the other. Like, there's always excuses for Josh Allen. Why? That's what we're asking. Why is there always an excuse for Josh Allen? The narrative up to last weekend and continues to be a narrative for Lamar Jackson is can't get it done in the playoffs. Last last week had a phenomenal performance. Still just two and three of the playoffs. But you know, the referendum is still out in terms of But we're talking Josh, about a guy who had Lamar less Jackson. than five games of a sample size, you know, up right. until last I mean, week. He still is only this will be his fifth playoff game coming up this this week, two and three. But or but but that's the thing that goes to like we're already making blanket statements on on Lamar Jackson last week going into game number four of his playoff career. Yet Josh Allen has played ten playoff games. He's won half of them. He hasn't been able to beat Kansas City. He hasn't been able to beat Cincinnati in the playoffs. And I just don't understand why he's just completely immune from any type of criticism whatsoever. And this is nationally. Josh Allen is this is this beacon of the of the uh, bastion of of quarterbacking in the NFL that oh it's just hard luck for him that everyone else continues to let him down and not being able to get to a Super Bowl. Okay, uh, someone saying stack up current quarterback playoff records. It's Mahomes one and Allen two. No, it's not. It's it's absolutely not. Aaron Rodgers is still in the NFL and he's twelve and ten in the postseason. Joe Flacco. 10 and 6 in the postseason. Russell Wilson has a better record at 9 and 7. Josh Allen's 5 and 5, okay? So this narrative that oh, oh. he's number 2 and the thing the thing that I don't buy about all of this uh, it goes back to the fact that the Bills have beaten the Chiefs in the regular season multiple times. The fact that he has a better regular season record against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, but in the playoffs they can't get it done. And at some point can can Josh Allen get some blame? Look, he's a likable guy. I like Josh Allen. I think he's a great player. He's exciting to watch, but that doesn't mean he's immune from any criticism. I mean, you look at a team that's won four straight Eastern or AFC East division championships, and every single one of those years, they've been considered a team, even the year before um, when they won 10 games, uh, considered that was kind of the year where they started becoming into their own. But for four years, they've been on the short list of contenders in the AFC to reach the Super Bowl, and they haven't done it in any of those years. And only once have they gotten to the AFC Championship game in 2020. Yet every single time there's an excuse for Josh Allen. We're not here tearing down Josh Allen saying he's a bad quarterback. No. He's a very good quarterback. You can, you can argue that he's a top three quarterback in the NFL. Okay, And, and definitely I don't think anyone's going to disagree that he's outside the top five. But what we're saying is, how is he completely immune from any type of criticism for the fact that the Buffalo Bills have fallen short of their goals and expectations for four consecutive seasons. It's always somebody else's fault. And meanwhile, it is easy to blame Dak Prescott, and I do. 
easy is, to blame Lamar Jackson. And I do. But it, you're incapable of blaming Josh Allen for anything. It's, it's bizarre. Again, it, it, to me, it's Steph Curry syndrome where they're, like everyone else gets the blame and Steph Curry always gets a pass, right? Has he ever been blamed for anything? No. He always gets a pass. It's always, oh, they're, they're injuries or uh, so-and-so was out or, you know, and, and Josh Allen, it feels like the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's always something. It's always an outside dynamic outside of their control on why uh, Josh Allen hasn't gotten Buffalo to a Super Bowl or let alone won one. And it just, uh, it's, it's just bizarre to me. I don't understand it. Uh, text saying, redraft the quarterbacks and Allen is the second off the board. Again, we're not saying that's he's not, a bad yeah, quarterback. That's like, not what we're saying. We're like, just saying guys, he, he can get some blame for the playoff loss. Guys, you're missing the, yeah, you're missing the point, Texters. We're not saying he's a bad quarterback. We're not saying he's this, that, or the other. What we're saying is he deserves some blame for why the Buffalo Bills cannot get to a Super Bowl. All we're saying. All we're saying. Coming up on the other side, man, that got people fired up. Uh, coming up on the other side, Purdue has been dominant. The Big Ten, not so much. I'm already going to paint the picture of the narrative that you're going to see pretty soon. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. 46862, as always, how you reach us on the text line. Again, just put in CK before your question, comment, rant. Again, 46862, your text line number. Coming up this hour on the show, Purdue has been dominant. The Big Ten, not so much. The narrative that you're going to see, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if you're already seeing it out there. We'll get to that in a bit. Plus, Tyrese Halliburton's hamstring strain could cost him quite a bit. Details on that later this hour. And Jim Harbaugh's immunity play, if he returns to Michigan, is genius. We'll take a look at the contract negotiations latest for Harbaugh and Michigan, if he does return there. And also, why this immunity clause could be commonplace in coaches' contracts moving forward. And before we leave you, after 8.50, the end of the show, could you survive a one-month digital Detox, no smartphone for a month. A yogurt company offering quite a bit of money for people to do that. We'll get to that at the end of this hour, at the end of the show today. Plenty to get to here in the next yeah. 40 some minutes. And, get, and get to it. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, the text line, thanks to everyone texting in. <laughs> but if you caught the last segment of hour number one, no, we did not say Josh Allen is a bad quarterback. We just said he should get some blame. Guys, you're just not listening to us. We're not saying that. We just, and I, I made the comparison to Patrick Mahomes in the sense that there are some certain people. Well, I mean, we're in a society you want to tear down the greatest. So I don't think there's any argument from any sensible person that Patrick Mahomes is the, is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And anytime Kansas City doesn't achieve what it should achieve, if it goes out and loses this weekend to. Lamar Jackson and the and the Ravens, there's going to be criticism for Patrick Mahomes. Why isn't there criticism for Josh Allen? That's just what we're, all we're saying. And Patrick Mahomes has achieved infinitely more on the field than Josh Allen. That's all we're saying. Would we love to have him on the Colts? Yes. Would we love to have him on the Bears? Yes. Yeah, I, I think no saying. one's arguing Bad. that Josh Allen isn't a top five 
quarterback, let alone, you know, top three. Yes. But so that's where you we can stand, take some folks. blame for a loss. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Let's talk about Purdue. So the Boilers get a dominant win last night against Michigan at Mackey Arena. Uh, no surprise. I think maybe the, the surprising fact was how well Purdue played for stretches, especially in that first half, uh, getting the win. And uh, again, 99 to 67, no turnovers at halftime, 24 point lead. And that was after both teams had a stretch where they, they missed some shots too late in the first half. But Fletcher lawyer hit that three before the buzzer uh, gave Purdue that 24 point lead. They cruised to that win over Michigan. And I think the narrative that you're going to see now outside of course, the narrative of people saying, well, what's Purdue going to do in March? That's all that matters. Um, the other narrative that I think you're going to see is that, well, Purdue's having success, but does it really mean a whole lot because the Big Ten flat out is not very good this season? Right. You have Purdue and Wisconsin at the top. You have Illinois, and, and it really just depends on how much Terrence Shannon Jr. plays or doesn't play dealing uh, with the rape allegations. And right now he's able to come back due to a court order. Um, those three teams pretty much seem like locks. You have three other teams that will probably make it, uh, Nebraska, and then after that, Northwestern, and then up for grabs. I think that sixth spot up for grabs at the moment. You have several teams you could talk about. Ohio State, Michigan State seems to have found their footing, especially over the last 10 games. But it's a six-big league at the max at the moment. So Purdue is going to have to deal with that narrative that, well, the Big Ten's not very good, so it doesn't really mean a lot that they rolled through the Big Ten. Even though Purdue's improved, right? Zach Eady's improved. Purdue's a better three-point shooting team this season. They're 39% as a team. But now the narrative is is going to be, well, Big Ten's not very good, so Purdue must be a little overrated. Yeah, I think it's... um it For, for looking at, at, at Purdue... I just don't think we can judge them based on what we're seeing in the Big Ten because no. it's a, it's a it's a down Big Ten. That doesn't mean that every time they lose in the Big Ten, we should ridicule them. It all kind of depends. If if they go to Rutgers later this week and lose, I'm not you know pushing the panic button or anything with with uh, with Purdue. Should they win the Big Ten regular season, probably, but. If they don't, is it a, a, a giant area of concern? Again, I don't I don't really think so. Someone texted in right on cue. CK, thankfully Rutgers won't be able to beat a number one Purdue team on a national stage this weekend. Yeah. For whatever reason, Rutgers just owns the state of Indiana when it comes to uh, yeah. basketball. Yeah, right. That's uh, we're, a, what, we're a just Fox waiting. game coming up this weekend? Uh, I think so. We're just waiting for that to happen. And, of course, you can listen to Purdue at Rutgers noon pregame. 1 o'clock tip-off right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM coming up on Sunday afternoon. Does that lead into, does Fox have the F- NFC championship uh, Fox first? has NFC second. So oh, okay. so it'll it actually overlap right a little bit with the AFC title game. So we'll uh, join that one in progress after Purdue basketball wraps up. You probably won't miss a whole lot of that game. Uh, kickoff is at 3 well, that's what they say, but we know how these things work. It's yes. really like 315, uh, and then Purdue should be wrapping up their game and their post game. so we'll get you uh, to the AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Ravens right after Purdue basketball on Sunday. But 
Purdue has has a couple of markers left, right? They still have Wisconsin February 4th at Mackey, or excuse me, March 10th at Mackey, and then they play at Wisconsin, the Cole Center on February 4th. So they still have those two games. Uh, Wisconsin held off Minnesota 61-59 to last night, a game that came down to the wire, a couple clutch free throws late for the Badgers. So Purdue still has that. They still have marquee game with IU uh, at Mackey, which is rivalry game. I don't think that's going to do anything nationally to change any perspective. IU flat out is not a tournament team. And then Michigan State, which who knows Mich- what Michigan State will be at the end of the season come March. They think, seem to yeah. have figured things out a bit. One thing that's been particularly impressive with Purdue of late offensively, and, and, and last night was another display of that, shooting 14 of 21 from three, no turnovers, but last four games, all wins, 95 points, 87 points, 84, 99. This team continues to score. Score, score, score. And you could say, well, quality of opponent, blah, blah, blah. Well, they put up 83 against Illinois, and that win just after the new year. Uh, offensively, this right now is as good of a Purdue team as I have seen in the last two years because of the balance around Zach Eady. And that's the biggest thing. The, the defensive effort is always going to be there for Purdue. Offensively, can they execute? And they're in a stretch right now where they are nearly unstoppable offensively. Does that last? I mean, no, I, I, it, but I, at the same time, it's going to be incredibly difficult to beat Purdue if they're routinely putting 80-plus up on teams. There's very few teams that can run with Purdue, get into a... A, a scoring back and forth affair and beat them. Well, and we've already seen that this season, right? Arizona. Uh, Purdue beats Arizona on a neutral. I say that jokingly because it was an Indy. Uh, Purdue gets that win. Uh, the Alabama game, where Alabama made a ton of threes and Purdue hung around, kept it close enough, they get the win. Again, that was also a track meet. So Purdue's been able to win multiple ways. It's not your old school Purdue grinded out defensively you know, hold your opponent to under 60 points kind of team. This is a team that can run with the best of them. And I think that's also what's different. That Zach Eady is not a liability for Purdue in those kind of games. He still ends up being a strength. Uh, someone texting in at 46862. CK wins over Xavier, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Arizona, and Marquette at a conference. Enough said. I'd swap out Gonzaga because Gonzaga is not a tournament team at the moment. They've not been very good this year. And I'd replace it with Alabama. But yes, I agree. The the resume in the non-conference for the teams they schedule, especially Tennessee and Arizona, um, those are really good wins. And that's why Purdue's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to drop to a, a two seed unless there's suddenly a really bad stretch. But I think you get into the slog of the conference season and people are going to be more impressed by teams in other conferences because other conferences are flat out better this year. Not taking away what Purdue has done, of course. No, very true. Let us know what you think. 46862 is the text line. 46862. I I do think when you look at Purdue, it is at this moment, offensively, uh, creating and, and causing more issues for defenses than any time last season. Because last season, it was Zach Eady. And Zach Eady was incredibly dominant. But it was only Zach Eady. 
in terms of bona fide confirmed dudes that were going to beat you, it started and ended with Zach Eady for Purdue last year, and it burned them when it mattered most. This year's team, just I mean, just look what Lance Jones did last night, and and he's he's like your fourth option most nights with Edie and Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith. It just it's it's astounding what this team can do, and but then with that those abilities comes very high expectations, and so far Purdue has met those expectations in our minds. But that doesn't mean they will continue to meet them once we get into the tournament. 46862, again, your text line number 46862. I I think Purdue is going to keep coasting, and people are going to eventually start discrediting what they're doing a little bit just because the Big Ten is weak. But I don't think that changes the narrative that this is still, uh, in our opinions, the best team in college basketball at the moment. Sure is playing like it. Last night was another display. Absolutely. Coming up on the other side, Tyrese Halliburton's hamstring strain. It's causing him to miss uh, three additional games. It started with one of those last night. Could cost him quite a bit. We'll explain that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and you with us at 46862. Again, 46862. Also, don't forget, you can always stream us, 1380thefan.com, via the 1380thefan mobile app. That is free for you to download. And there's a new feature, like the the mic feature on that app. Oh, really? That you can, like, submit. You can send us audio on there. So if you download the app, and you can, like, send us audio. So... I guess if you sure, want to like send a send a rant, you can yeah, send it via the typing mic it out now. You can feature on the app, hmm. and then uh, we can uh, check into that. So the new way to uh, interact with us, also on your smart speaker as well. And uh, actually, just got some smart speaker data yesterday. Yeah, I, did I forward that to you? By the way, no. I, I meant to. So let me uh, let me do that. But it was fascinating to see the numbers and you know how people are, are listening. We're not smart speak. We're not smart enough to have yeah, smart we're not, we're not smart. You could have just ended <laughs> yeah, there. We're yeah. not smart. <laughs> but however you listen, we appreciate it. Yeah. So there, there are people, like I think last month, it was something like over a thousand hours of listening just on smart speakers. So wow. thanks to everyone who's listening, whether it's on the radio, on AM or FM, on the mobile app streaming online or streaming via their smart speaker. So, uh, yeah, well over a thousand. In fact, in December it was over 2,600 hours. So, uh, it's, it's interesting the number of people who listen via the smart speaker. So very cool. But anyway, you can listen, uh, all those ways on the show. And if you miss anything in hour number one, or even earlier on in hour number two, you can always catch up on the podcast. Uh, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, just look for it on your favorite podcasting platform, usually up, between 10.30 and 11 o'clock each and every day after the show, the full show posted. So there you have it. All right, Tyrese Halliburton. So he's out dealing with that strained hamstring, which costs him some games. He's expected to miss two more games with that after already missing six. Likely will be healthy in time for the All-Star game, which he's projected to be a starter. Obviously, the All-Star game now 23 days away. So the shot clock is on. 
I saw yesterday there was a post that the shot clock <laughs> is off. So I guess the shot, yeah, I guess the shot clock is off because there are 23 days now left uh-huh. until the all-star game in India, Game Ridge Fieldhouse coming up in February. But Halliburton would stand to lose, get this, Justin, $41 million if he doesn't play in at least 65 games because that is Goodness. the threshold needed for All-NBA. Now, he is expected to make All-NBA, and he could lose that amount again if he misses uh, just a few more games. So he's very much on the edge of that. Um, if he misses 18, because remember the Pacers played an extra game, he misses out on the extra money. So he's missed 12. This was going into last night, so I think that's now 13. So he just has five games left of extra margin here. You know, sometimes we say, well, you know, just stay out until you're completely healthy, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a lot of money on the line for Tyrese Halliburton to come back and try to make it work. And hopefully for the Pacers' chances, they need him back. But for the pocketbook of Tyrese Halliburton, he needs to make sure he gets back. That's a that's a heck of a lot of money. Yeah. That's wild. So that max contract extension, five years, $205.9 million that he signed this summer, that would go up by $41 million if he makes an all-NBA team, which based on his play this season, there's no doubt he's making an all-NBA team, whether it's first, second, or third, probably at this rate, perhaps first. It just depends on, you know, how many games he misses down the stretch. So it's very important that the Pacers not only get him back and that he's healthy, you kind of wonder, you know, in a way, the NBA has kind of played themselves where players now have to rush back from injuries because they're concerned about these incentives with the all NBA and how contracts are written. So in a way it's, I don't, I think the threshold is maybe a little high. Yeah. I would have been fine with 60 games. I remember talking about this when they announced this, that I think we both agreed it was a little bit high. Well, yeah, because it's like low against like, I get having management. it be more than, you know, 50 games, but 60 seemed like a fair amount. 65 just seems excessive. And now you have guys rushing back from injuries because they want to get those contract incentives in a way. Is, is this something the NBA looks at in the off season? Because the Pacers need Halliburton on the floor, not only because he's the best player on the team and they need him for, for playoff positioning. Look, they're dropped to the seven seed because he's been out for a bit, but also he needs this for the contract. I, I think it's only really a lot of looked at at some point. If a player comes back from an injury too soon, to try to get that money and then has a more serious injury. And that's, I mean, you could argue Halliburton came back too soon as it was over the weekend. Sure. But it was not a serious injury, right? It was a hamstring strain. He was out a couple weeks and then he didn't look right. And then he's sitting a few more games. I just think the NBA is, is maybe a little too aggressive with this. And I get it. They're trying to combat load management, but you can't have guys rushing back from injuries just to try to make contract incentives and then suffer more serious injuries. Like you said, that's what it's going to take for this to get modified. It doesn't really help your sport, help your league when you have guys chasing the money to the extent that they're coming back early from injuries. Which to be fair is all the NFL does. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, it is the thing too is it can be a, a, 
an interesting case in the sense that the teams, yeah, they want, let's take the Pacers, for example. Yeah, they they um, want Tyrese Halliburton back, but they also probably wouldn't mind not having to pay Tyrese Halliburton an extra $41 million. So they're not going to rush him back, especially if he's not 100% when the player is going to be like, yes, I need to go play. You're just trying to prevent me from making my money when the team is like, well, we're trying to protect our investment. It just seems like a inevitably a situation like that is going to arise some point somewhere in the NBA. Yeah, it's at some time we're going to need some revisions to this so that it makes more sense. Uh, and the Pacers, since Halliburton has been out in the games he missed because he did play a, a couple in between, uh, three and four now, uh, obviously traded for Pascal Siakam during that stretch as well. So hopefully those two are able to play together again. But at the same time, you got to make sure he's healthy and not just rushing back for a contract. It's it is a catch twenty two here, delicate balance. Absolutely four six eight six two the text line number four six eight six two. I mean forty one forty one million reasons to 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 rush a return from injury. That's that's where you're kind of defeating the purpose of player safety, but also contracts. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of money to pass up <laughs> if. if if you're even close to being upright, you're making sure you're on the court for yeah. $41 million. Yeah, exactly. Coming up on the other side, Jim Harbaugh still negotiating a Michigan contract. And the one thing that's holding it up is probably something that's going to be quite common moving forward in college coaches' contracts. Obviously, we still expect Harbaugh to go to the NFL. But if he returns to Michigan, this immunity clause is going to be the reason why. We'll explain why what he's doing is genius. Next, you're on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Um, I'm going to play the game, and I think I'm going to fail. Now, Rob Thomas, of course, lead singer, was the lead singer of Matchbox 20. Was that Matchbox 20 or Rob Thomas? That was Matchbox 20. Okay, that's what I thought. Yes, correct. Because he did have that short, very solo short career. solo career. Yes, they're like touring again, right? Last time, like they, they really came and then, through indie, I think last summer. And then I was listening to the radio yesterday and heard a new Blink One Eighty Two song. What? Yeah, I'm like, wait, huh? True story. That's hard to believe. I mean, that's like going on twenty plus years now. I know. Hey, people demand more. Apparently, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, college football, I guess you tie it into NFL. Jim Harbaugh obviously still has that second interview with the Chargers for their NFL job. Still negotiating, though, that Michigan contract. Now, the the latest terms that I have seen for the Michigan deal would be something like $9.5 million a year, um, or excuse me, a nine-figure nine contract extension worth $11.5 million a year. I've seen everything from, what, nine, ten years for that. But there's an interesting clause, and we've talked about this. He's seeking an immunity clause from uh, being fired for cause due to the ongoing investigations. Now, seems excessive, right, that you could get that into your contract, but that's what he wants. And I think that's going to be the, the one thing that will... If they get that fixed, maybe he does stay at Michigan. But I don't see that happening. 
Now, Bill Self of Kansas, the men's basketball coach there, has a similar clause already in his contract. But the reason why this is so important is that the NCAA has a new liability when it comes to coaches and how things work. Their new strict liability rule means every collegiate head coach now at risk of being fired for cause if anyone on their staff commits a level one violation. Now, obviously what Connor Stallions did, that's why Harbaugh is seeking this immunity. And this will probably be something that you'll see a lot moving forward because coach is going to be held accountable even though it could just be a rogue assistant on their staff that's been accused of the violation. So this is how you completely, once again, cause upheaval in, in, in college sports. These changes to the contracts. Just when you think uh, we got a bit of calm that you could see this. First off, I don't think Jim Harbaugh leaves uh, L.A. a second time without being the head coach of the Chargers. I don't think so either. Uh, but this, if it doesn't come uh, up for Jim Harbaugh, it will in the future for someone else. So... I think it's all about protection for these coaches, or that's what they're seeking. Will they get it? I think it's another question. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know, but look, the fact that Bill Self has one, now he's had success. I think the top of the top coaches will be able mm-hmm. to get this, but those are very few and far, but far between. The Dabo Sweeney's of the world, the Kirby Smarts, they'll all probably find a way to work this into their contracts. Yes. Uh, but we're talking the Tom Allens of the world, uh, the Mike Woodsons of the world at this point. Probably not. Probably not. Now, the sign-stealing case is perhaps the first case also to involve this new strict liability clause that the NCAA has invoked. So, again, ongoing negotiation. It's going to be a bit before we feel like we get an answer on something like that. I mean, this could take years, right, before we get the final findings. Right. But this, perhaps the first case dealing with this clause, and that's why Harbaugh is finding it so important to work that immunity clause into a contract extension at Michigan. But I do like the liability because a head coach should be in charge of every single thing that happens under his watch at a college football or basketball program. He's responsible. It's kind of like being a boss somewhere or whatever is... Whatever happens underneath you, in the end, the buck stops with you. And you should be held responsible. But uh, these clauses that could potentially protect these coaches um, are going to become more and more popular. And the other element of this that, you know, potential NCAA penalties could follow Harbaugh to the NFL, but no in enforcement to an NFL employer? Yeah, no. Good luck with that. That's not NCAA happening. can't even enforce its own rules in college football or college athletics, let alone the NFL. But wow. there is precedent. Jim Tressel, remember who resigned after Tattoo Gate at Ohio State? He was suspended for the first six games of the 2011 season after he was hired as a replay consultant by the Colts. So there is precedent, but a head coach, they're probably not getting that level of punishment. I don't even know what that means, replay consultant. Are you the guy that buzzes down if you needed to challenge something? I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I, I just don't. I don't see that being something that that goes into it and look level one violation serious but tennessee they're found guilty of 18 of those under former coach jeremy pruitt they didn't get a postseason ban they got recruiting restrictions and an eight million dollar fine right money will just make things go away with the ncaa so yeah just give us money we'll be fine and for harbaugh 
perhaps that contract clause could be the one thing that keeps him at Michigan. But as always, why wouldn't you go to L.A.? It seems to be the, the best job of the NFL jobs still available for next season. Seems like that is where we're trending currently with that second interview pending with LA coming up on the other side. We'll wrap things up. Could you survive a one month digital detox? No smartphone for a month, Uh, a yogurt company offering quite a bit of cash for those selected who can handle it. We'll give you details on that as we wrap things up here on a Wednesday Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping things up here on a Wednesday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. 46862 again, the text line number 46862. Wrapping it up in our final story of the day. All right, so we, we always hear, you know, could you go a month, right, without your smartphone? Well, a yogurt company is actually putting the challenge out there. Siggy's is doing a digital detox. Give up your smartphone for a month. What do you get? So the they will select participants. Okay. But if they do it, $10,000, a smartphone lockbox, you get an old-fashioned flip phone okay. with one month of a prepaid SIM card and three months of Siggy's yogurt. Of course, you got to throw in of your course. product. But so you still get a cell phone like you can text, I assume, and make calls. So it's not like you're truly going without your phone for a month. Right. This seems more manageable Uh, for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I could do it now. I'm attached to my phone. Many people are. But like this, this doesn't say anything about. You can't use, you know, your laptop or tablet, right? Right. It's just like, your. This uh, there, just there are too phone. many workarounds around this. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, the the fine print lays it out a little bit different, but let's do it. Ten thousand dollars. I'll do, I'll start right now. The average person now they cite a study spends five point four hours on their phones each day. What's the app that you use the most <laughs> daily? Uh Twitter. Twitter. Just on the on the Twitter machine. Yes. Um, yeah, I would. Uh, I don't know. Probably, or Facebook. Like, there's just mind numbing. You know, when you get on Facebook and you just start scrolling with videos. I don't care what everybody's doing. I don't care about the updates. I just go through videos and stuff. But uh, like the videos from the like the story feed. Yeah, the story, okay. the video, and then you go to real Facebook Reels. You know, yeah, my my wife, there. it's Instagram Reels. Yeah, that's but what my she wife has all time. she deleted Instagram from her phone, and then she watches it on the tablet. Oh, really? And like treats it as like oh her, her screen time, which is actually smart because ah, she okay. watches it a lot less, and it's less annoying. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's smart. But um, yeah, I think for for it, for going for a a month for ten thousand dollars, I would find a way to do that. And again, sure. you get a flip phone. So Siggies.com, S-I-G-G-I-S. That's how you get details. No, so they, you have they to, did not pay us for this. I okay. just want to make that clear. You have to uh, register to be eligible. Is that what's going on? Yeah, you have to like enter the contest. Enter the contest to be chosen. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they have a form, like I'm looking at it now, just you know, name, email, your country. And you have to write an essay between 100 and 500 words explaining why you need a digital detox in your life how it will impact you in a positive way that hmm. aligns with their brain philosophy. All right. Of 
eat their ice cream. Uh, yogurt. Yogurt, yes. Uh, Apologies. 70% is how clear the explanation contained in the essay of how they'll use their time to live a simpler life. 20% creativity and originality. 10% authentic expression of commitment to the challenge of living for a month without a smartphone. So Very nice. But yeah, that, it's just a simple form you fill out on their site. The oh. way they present this, I think it's very doable because you get a smartphone so you can have the contact you need as far as being in touch with people. And it doesn't say anything that I can tell as far <laughs> as not being able to use a laptop, an iPad, whatever kind of tablet. Right. Someone texted in a uh, messenger for them. Yeah. If you're, if you use like Facebook messenger, yeah. What, what app do you use the most? Let us know the text line. 46862 again 46862 just put in CK first what app on on your smartphone do you spend do most you of your time most? on to use the most let us know uh before we go did you see this guy uh running the marathon in China the chain smoking guy I've heard about him before so now he's been banned for 2 years um I think it's just in Chinese races uh yes He's facing a two-year ban from events and races organized by Xiamen Marathon's organizing committee, which is in China. Basically, he chain smokes cigarettes. Uh, and runs. And runs. And apparently, he only smokes when he runs. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. So, for him, it's some sort of you know therapy while he's, he's running. But um, uh, he, he, he uh, was... Uh, first known in November of 2022 when he smoked while taking part in the Zinjiang Marathon in November of 2022, completed that race in three hours, 28 minutes, placed 574th out of over 1,500 runners, and uh, was widely reported by media outlets uh, such as the Huffington Post and Sky News. <laughs> Huffington Post. Yes. Um, but Just funny... Uh- Funny name tying to the story. Yes. Now, here, here's my thing. I so for some people they've they've said like it's a detriment to the other runners. I guess if there's smoke, you know, I I get that cigarette smoke or whatever if you're running by. Him. But according to why he's being potentially suspended, they have rules to curb quote uncivilized behavior <laughs> unquote in these marathons. Apparently, there's a lot of uncivilized behavior in marathons. Look. If it helps you run 26 miles, who am I to say you shouldn't do it? Also, as long as these cigarettes aren't falling on other runners yeah, or spectators, yeah, I, I I, don't see the issue here. Yeah, it's China. They just don't like the attention, probably. But uh, there's plenty of pictures out there of the, the smoking marathon runner. Um, his, his, his surname is Chen. Don't have his full name. But uh, apparently, uh, this is not the first time. But hey, if it helps you run 26 miles, who am I to say to stop doing it? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't run 26 miles, uh, l- let alone... I wouldn't do anything. Uh, would I run 26... 26- I would much rather go a month without my phone for $10,000 than run 26 miles for $10,000. I'm serious. Running sucks. Yeah, I could not do... A marathon for ten grand. It'd have to be a lot more money. Yes, seriously. <laughs> I mean, 
I, I did a 5K once, and I felt like that checked the box. I think a 5K is the most that any human being should be legitimately running. Anything after that is absurd. Like, I don't get cross-country running when after you're done, like, your body just expels all fluids. And, like, you <laughs> pee yourself. Like, that tells me that your body is like, what the hell are you doing? That's, that's, if your body is telling you, what the hell are you doing, you probably shouldn't be doing <laughs> Well, you certainly wouldn't be into the, the extreme marathons, right? The 50 and 100 mile God. races. Yeah. Insanity. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for us today. Thanks for joining us. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick up next. The Herd with Colin Cowherd coming up at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. It will be a best of. Again, today, Jim's been under the weather, so another best of. And the Sports Rush uh, coming up today as well with Derek Decker filling in for Brett Rump. Brett out uh, today and tomorrow. So Derek Decker filling in today, Shannon Griffith tomorrow. All here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.